Turn, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I'd like to start at the beginning. We're going to preach all the way through the Bible today. And here we go. We've got to move along fast or else we won't get to the tacos. While you're turning there, I have, the, I have permission to, to actually offer up this, this story. Before we get to the scriptures, I want to begin by telling a story, and, and Marietta has given me the permission to go ahead and tell it. A few years ago, Marietta and I were down at the, at, at the ranch, and we were asleep in the middle of the night. We have a couple of cats, and we're asleep. We like to sleep in a dark place, and it was really dark in our bedroom. And we had a love seat at the foot of our bed, and about one o'clock in the morning, Something happens, and I hear it out of the, out of the corner, kind of the corner of my ear, if, if that were possible. But it's something like right out of The Exorcist. And I don't wake up very quickly, but Marietta, she comes out of bed like this. I mean, when she goes, she goes. What it was, it was, it was one of our cats, and we didn't know whether she was on the bed or she was on the love seat at the foot of the bed, but she had a hairball. <laughs> And it was a horrific noise. Marietta heard it. And Marietta's thinking in the middle of this darkness, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to prevent this cat from having the hairball either on the bed or on our furniture. So she sits up out of bed, and I'm still kind of waking up to the, the sound of this exorcism. And um, she goes... She goes flying out of bed, I mean, down towards the foot of the bed. I just found out after 30 years of marriage, I just found out a little bit ago that Marietta was a competitive long jumper. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> everything that she, she used, all of those skills to fly at, at, at this cat towards the end of the bed. The next sound I heard was absolutely the worst. It was like... Boom, bang, splat. And I'm like, oh, that cannot be good. So I finally get to the light, and I look down there, and not only is Marietta not on the bed, she's no longer on the love seat except for a portion of her leg. She is splat in the middle of our ceramic floor beyond the bed. I mean, she's got this, she is wiped out. And I think the cat's sitting over there, you know, with a cat face looking at her. But um, anyway, uh, she really tore up her hip and her, she had a big old goose, what we call a goose egg, on her shin. But she had jumped out like this to push the cat, and she had landed on her right arm. And so while... It was funny, kind of, well, it was kind of funny. She didn't think it was funny, but it was kind of funny. Um, um, it turned out that we had to take her, to, we went to a chiropractor the next day so that the chiropractor could take some images and um, look, at, look at things. Turned out that the chiropractor would not adjust her wrist because her right wrist, her right arm was literally broken. And we took the images that the chiropractor took, and we sent them to a friend of ours who's an emergency room doctor. And it turns out 
that the friend of ours who is an ER doctor said, yeah, that sucker is broken. And it's broken in a place where you're going to have to have an orthopod take care of it. So I made a, an appointment with an orthopod up here in North Texas the following week. You don't get in just right away, right? So we traveled back with Marietta's broken arm. Bless her heart. Pretty bad. And we got up here, and she really couldn't use the, her right arm at all. Well, we got back here, I guess, on Monday, and we had to wait until Thursday for this, for this meeting or this appointment with the orthopod. And I'll tell the rest of the story towards the end of the sermon. How about that? So have you made your way to Genesis 1? Pretty tough. <laughs> Today I'm going to um, speak on the topic of honoring the image of God. Honoring the image of God. We're keeping in that honoring series, so I want to talk to you about honoring the image of God. Genesis 1, uh, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. I want everybody to say, God created me in his own image. Amen. In the image of God, he created him. Everybody say, God created me in his image. That's important. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So man was at the pinnacle, literally the pinnacle of God's creation. He was the final thing that was made. And this comment about conferring his image unto man is a really big deal. In the Hebrew, the word image is selim. It means image or resemblance. Or you can even use it to say idol. So think about this, and we'll come back to this thought. You, literally, you are God's idol. The image, the image picture is so great that we see it con, con, conveyed further in Genesis. In Genesis 5, when we begin the genealogy of Adam, it says, Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So here is the beginning. The image is passed from God to Adam and from Adam now to his son, right? After Noah and his family departed the ark in Genesis 9, the word tells us, and this is, this is also conveying how important the concept of image is to God. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. The reason that Noah, that God is, is, is saying this is that, and that Noah is saying this is that because 
Image is so important because we are made in God's image that if you destroy God's image, you're out. Okay? And then God says, And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Now, so now here's what we have. We have God's image being conveyed to us, mankind, right? And we know that things go sideways, but the first commandment that God gives us back there in Genesis chapter 1 is, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And notice how he does the same thing here in Genesis 9 when Noah gets off the boat. The reason that that is significant, have you ever thought about that? Why does God want us to be fruitful and multiply. The reason is, this might blow your mind, is because we are his image bearers, and if we do what he has told us to do, he is literally filling the earth with his image. Hope. Right there, we could drop the mic and leave. If you could get your mind around the fact that the reason that you, we were told to be fruitful and multiply is because you are the carrier of God's image. And by doing that, God is filling the good creation that he made, the entire creation, with his image. Isn't that awesome? Think about that concept. And not only were you created in his image, but you were carefully, carefully crafted by him. Psalm 139, and, and all of us know this, but starting in verse 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everyone say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That word in Hebrew, fearfully, me is Yah-Reh, Yah-Reh. It means that you were crafted with respect and with reverence and with awe and with honor. You, as an individual, were crafted in all those ways. And wonderfully is the word in Hebrew meaning, pala, meaning that literally wonderful, but also you were crafted distinctly and set apart. There is no one else like you. God is awesome. God is awesome. In the vernacular of today's environment, we might say, you are a chip off the old block. You know? We're a dead ringer for the Father. <laughs> and more importantly, and something that everybody in here needs to understand, is that because of that he saw fit to convey his image on us, and because he did it in a fearful and a wonderful manner, we, brothers and sisters, are God's pride and joy. I mean, he feels like, uh, with us, like we do with our own children. That's the way he looks at us. 
We are his pride and joy. Look at this. I've never experienced 3D sonograms before. This is Ribbon Vin Colin, or um, Miller. He was, at, when these photographs were taken, he's about 34 weeks in the womb. You can see that he is being fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that amazing? Look at those pictures. Yeah. So he was born um, Wednesday, March 29th, a little bit over eight pounds. But this is him as he is being crafted by the Lord God Almighty in the womb. Isn't that cool? So more practically speaking, what, is it, what does it mean to be created in God's image? Well, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, we can see some things that God tells us about being created in his image. He says in a lot of places in Leviticus and other places in the Old Testament, he says, I want you to be holy as I am holy. So he wants, you to, he, he wants us to walk in the holiness that he conveys to us. He wants us to be unshakable according to Malachi 3. He says, I don't change, you don't change. He wants us, as, as his people, as his children, he wants us to be obedient and let him be God. Jeremiah 7, 23 says, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. So he wants to take his rightful position as God, and he expects us to allow him to operate in that manner in our lives. And I'll get to more of that in a minute. Here's something important. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in its time. Remember that song not too long ago from Gungor saying, He makes beautiful things? It was Aaron Gomez's one of his favorite songs. Um, but he does. He's, he's making beautiful things out of us. And while I'm on the subject, before I go on, listen, what, I, what we're seeing right now, church, in, in this culture, is we are seeing a tearing down of the things beautiful. We're seeing things come against those things that God intended to be beautiful. And let me tell you this, whenever you see something that is taking something beautiful that God created, I don't care whether it's a person or anything else in God's creation, but taking that maybe a beautiful part of creativity that was wrought by man and tearing that down and making it ugly, that is the enemy at work. And he is at work. Listen to this, continuing on in Ecclesiastes 3.11. Also he has put eternity in their hearts, 
I bet you a lot of you didn't know that the Lord God literally put eternity in your heart. Did you know that? I mean, this is one of the ways that he separates his image, you and I, from everything else because he has instilled in us an understanding that we are eternal and that there is even an eternity that exists. It's a place for him. He is eternal. He crafted a place for us to understand that he's eternal, therefore we are eternal as well. Isn't that cool? God is such a good God that he goes above and beyond just telling us. He shows us what what it means to walk in God's image. So what did he do to do that? He sent Jesus. And he he took the image thing to a whole different level when Jesus came into the world. Colossians 1.15, talking about the Messiah and our Lord and Savior, Jesus, says this very clearly. And, and I love Colossians 1, the whole chapter anyway, because it's so awesome about Jesus. But he said, he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Isn't that cool? Jesus is the image of God. Hebrews 1 says it this way, and, and Hebrews 1 does a good job about telling us about who Jesus is. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Wow. Through whom he made the worlds. It lines totally up with Colossians 1. He made the world through Jesus. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself, Jesus by himself, had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the very image of God. He is the God-man. He came to earth. It's so amazing to think about what God did by sending Jesus to earth to give us an exact embodiment of his image. John 14, verses 7 through 9, this is when Jesus is getting ready. Now, Now, Jesus has already had what we would call the Last Supper, and he's getting ready to head out to to do what must be done during this season that we're celebrating right now, right? So he's having a conversation with the disciples, and he and the disciples are really troubled because he's saying, "I hate, I'm going, I'm going to go away, and you're not going to be able to follow me." And the and the disciples, I mean, they they don't understand it, and they're heartbroken by it. This is the Messiah, and they've been walking with him. And here's what Jesus says to Philip. Because Philip says, Lord, it's, it's enough. Just show us the Lord. That's what Philip asks. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? 
and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father himself. So everything that we see Jesus do, everything that we hear him say, everything that we know about Jesus in terms of his response to circumstances is exactly the way that, the, that God Almighty would have responded. He is the exact image of the Lord embodied. Now, there's two areas of great attack on the image of the Lord that are taking place right now. I know that there are more, but these are the two that the Lord has given me to speak to you this morning. In Isaiah 14, we see the, what I call the five I will statements by Lucifer. Lucifer begins to declare these things over himself, and he says at the end of it, I will exalt myself above the Most High. So there is an enemy at work that is literally coming against the image of God. There is. You know at this point that, the, that Lucifer is totally in rebellion because he's completely operating outside of what the Lord has already ordained and commissioned. That is, we are the image bearers, but Lucifer is saying, I'm going to set myself above all of that. You get that? The first area of attack on God's image is when we create God in our own image. Whoa. It's a tough one. But it's going on right now, brothers and sisters, in a big way. We have, and I'm not being critical. Please do not hear this as any kind of criticism. It's certainly not intended to be criticism. But we have literally churches that are no longer following his word as his absolute and undeniable truth. You know, this is the way that the Lord himself has revealed himself to us through this word. And when you begin to deny parts or pieces or even a jot or a tittle or an iota, according to Jesus, then you begin to deny God himself and his character. You hear people that are talking about things and they say things like this. I hear it all the time. Well, my God wouldn't do this, or my God wouldn't do that. I'm like, what? A while back, Marietta was having this conversation with this gentleman, and he kept saying, um, he was relating to her about what God would and would not allow here on the earth with no scriptural basis at all. Well, my God wouldn't allow that. My, my God wouldn't. My God wouldn't do that. My God is better than that. My God. And Marietta, I was on the, I just heard the one side of the conversation, but she says, well, what happens to your God when, he, when you die? Whoa. What happens to your God when you die? Because our God is still here. Amen. Amen. So when we rely more on somebody else's image of God, somebody else's image of God, then we rely on the
the image that he has communicated to us about who he truly is, what we are literally doing is we are settling for second best or even worst. Think about that. We're settling. We are placing ourselves way below the standard that God wants us to walk in. That is the standard where we walk and we bear his image. 1 John 4, 8, you know it well. But it says, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God is love. Amen. God is love. The devil, the enemy, is having a field day with that concept right there, right now, in this culture, and we need to get this straightened out. Love is not at all, brothers and sisters, love is not at all always permissive. There are a lot of times where the best love, the highest form of love, is the word no. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, some of the mightiest testimonies that I have in my own life is where I'm praying my guts out. I am praying my guts out for something, and it's something, and, and, and I'm praying, and I'm praying good, and I'm praying righteously, but I'm praying a fleshly desire. Oops. Yeah, I've done it. And my testimony is, the Lord answers me, and he will speak very directly and say, no, no, my son, that's not, that's, that's not what I want from you. And I look back on that answer, and while I'm disappointed to receive the answer, at the time I'm offering up this good old prayer, I look back on the answer in the context of the fact that of time where I look back on it years later and I say, my God, thank you for telling me no. Amen. And I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, that if there were more of us that understood that while God truly is love, it is his nature, it is who he is, but if we would not allow the enemy to twist that word into a place where it's anything goes love, we would be so much better off. And we need to get back to that point. Amen? Amen? Amen. Look, the Lord said this in Isaiah 55. He said, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. If we could get our mind around that, we would go a long ways to ceasing this attack on the image of God that comes through us creating God in our own image. Or allowing to be God to be created in the image of somebody else. He's God, and there is no other. There's a second area of attack on God's image. And really, this area of attack has existed since, really, just after the fall of man. Matter of fact, this area of attack is the reason that I think that Jesus, in, in talking about the enemy, told us, 
in John 10, and you know this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then he says, I have come that they may have life. So Jesus is the life giver, but the enemy is the one, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief has always, 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 always wanted to steal or, if that doesn't work, to replace your image. Whoa. He's always wanted the image of God to be removed from the earth. The thief is the accuser. He is the slanderer. And according to Jesus, he is who he has always been. He is a liar. He is absolutely a liar. When the children of Israel began to craft for themselves idols that were carved of wood or made to be cast out of gold or brass or other things, and, and this was a very consistent theme through the Old Testament, the children of Israel would raise up some kind of idol for themselves that was completely handmade and separate from God. I think it's so ironic that the, they were crafting things for themselves out of what God had created in the first place. But what, it, what happened was, by crafting these idols, their, their focus was removed from being on the image of Almighty God, and it was placed on something that they had crafted themselves. And what always happened after they began to enter into that false idolatry, I'll call it false idolatry, Time and time again, what they did was they began to make their children pass through the fire. Literally killing the image of God. Whoa. When you kill children, you are killing the image of God and you are doing exactly what the enemy wants done. You are removing the ability for God's image to fill the earth because you're taking it away. The devil loves things like abortion. The devil loves infanticide. As a matter of fact, I just read the other day that there's a bill allowing infanticide that's before the parliament of Belgium right now. This is becoming more and more prevalent in this world. Anything that raises itself up against the image of God, anything that kills is of the enemy. It is of the devil. disobedient it's walking away from the commandment that God gave us to go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth fill the earth with his image you know I'm just thinking about this think about what we even heard from I think it was Virginia the previous Virginia governor saying hey it's going to be okay if, if a lady delivers a baby, and after the baby is delivered, if we kill that baby, we're going to call that abortion, and it'll be legal. What? Absolutely not. Something else that's at work here in the world today. 
And that is that the, the thief is hard at work and really in our, in our Western cultures, certainly here in this nation, he's trying to steal the true identity and the image from our children. And that's why we wander around in our culture today and we hear kids say things like, well, I identify as, and brothers and sisters, I can't keep up with it. You can fill in the blank. I identify as, that's because the devil has been so successful in removing this concept of God image from the culture and from these kids that they no longer understand that they have a much higher image to conform to. One that was conveyed on them in a way that is not only miraculous, but is eternal and is God-breathed. Some of these kids are even saying, well, I identify, and you could fill in the blank as an animal. What the heck? I'm not getting it. But what I do know is that we need to begin to speak truth into every situation, every circumstance where we hear that silliness proclaimed. No, you are not created in the image of a rabbit. I know it sounds silly, but it's unfortunately true. Every kid's image is important to God. They're all important to God. Your image and every kid's image is important to God. One of the reasons that God gave us the commandments, and I believe that this is one of the ways that he was telling us that his image is important, he gave us the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and, and report, repeated in Deuteronomy. But he said, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. And then he said, Second, you shall not make an idol. You shall not craft for yourselves an idol. And then he goes on, why? Because I am a jealous God. So he likes the fact that I wear his image. And remember when I talked about the fact that image in the Hebrew could be translated idol? So what God is trying to do is he's trying to fill up the whole earth with a picture of himself. Isn't that cool? Anything that comes against that is of the devil. Some of you that are listening here right now in this room, and certainly some of you that are listening out there, have unfortunately taken on an image or an identity that is other than what the Lord God Almighty really intended to confer on you. You might have said it like, you might have even spoken it over yourself inadvertently. It's okay. It's okay because God is so awesome and his kingdom is so good and the way that he operates towards his people is so gracious that he absolutely has made a way out. He won't leave us in a situation where we're not, we're not understanding that we are his image bearer. 
in Romans 8, verses 28 and 29. We know that all things work together for those, for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 2 Corinthians 3, and I love this passage. I, it's one of my favorite verses in, in the entire scripture. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What's the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus. Think about it. You hold up a mirror, and I don't see Greg with the gray hair and the various scars anymore, but I see Jesus. We're being transformed into the same image. Not all at once, but he's moving us along in a way that he has ordained for us from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is literally transforming me into the very image of Jesus. Think about that, brothers and sisters. So amazing. So amazing. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49 says, And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, who's that? Adam. We born Adam's image. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. God is moving us from that image of Adam who fell short, who disobeyed, who couldn't get it done, and he's taken us from that place, and he's moving us over here to the God-man, the man that did it all, the man that paid the ultimate price for us, and he's moving us into that image. Isn't that awesome? Going back to the story about Marietta's broken arm. It's broken. She can't use it. We're praying. We've been praying since it happened. We're praying, praying, praying. This is not one of those flesh-led prayers. This is one of those expected prayers, God. Marietta doesn't have time especially with her right arm, to deal with surgery and all of that recovery. We just, we, Lord, we know you're bigger than that. <laughs> Thursday morning comes around. Marietta wakes up. 
He says, honey. I said, yeah, babe. I think God healed my arm. I said, why do you say that, babe? She says, I don't know. I feel big. I feel big. Ha! I feel big. And I'm like, okay. That's big. That's cool. She says, I'm, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to go to the doctor. And he's not going to want to do, use those images. He's going to want to do another image. And he's going to look at that image and he's going to say there's no break there. And I'm like, what? You know, through this process, I've been like, what? So we go to the doctor. And sure enough, takes his own image. And then he comes into the little room where we're at and he throws the image up there on the screen. And he says, well, it's not broken. Hallelujah. Yeah. And Marietta says, well, what do you mean it's not broken? He goes, well, it's not broken. He says, well, yeah, but Marietta says, well, what about these other images? Well, yeah, that's broken. But I think that's just an artifact. Ha! Yeah, no, no. So much more than an artifact. Exactly right. It was an established fact. That's what it was. The Lord healed her arm. But what's amazing to me is how when I approached her that morning, she said that all night, said, I feel big. I'm like, well, you know, I've heard people encounter God and I've heard them say things like, well, I feel joy and I think that's right. And I feel peace and I think, wow, that's right too. And I feel Love, and I know that's right. And I feel bold, and I know that's right. But in this particular case, God's image on Marietta, and I think his image for so many of us, is he just wants to be big again. Brothers and sisters, he wants to be big again. He wants to be big in your life. He wants to be so much bigger than what you're allowing him to be. Big. Bigger than those that would offend you. He wants to be big. Bigger than what the devil would tell you. He wants you to be big. Bigger than those that hide behind a keyboard and type something dirty into a screen into a social media thing and tell you about how little you are. He wants you to be big. Hallelujah. 
God is big. You are his image. He wants you to be that big. When you leave here, you are going to be restored as the image bearer of God.